Hey, I'm Stephen Hovatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10:15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. If you would, this morning as we begin, we're going to start with a reading of the Word of God from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, it is a little bit of a, a longer reading, but if you would uh, stand with me and receive the Word of God. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and to occupy so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep all his decrees and his commandments that I am commanding you so that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently so that it may go well with you and so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God the, lo the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise up, bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. When the Lord your God has brought you into the land that he swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, to give to you a land with fine large cities that you did not build, houses filled with all sorts of goods, that you did not fill, hewn cisterns that you did not hew, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, and when you have eaten your fill, take care that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The Lord your God you shall fear, him you shall serve. And by his name alone, you shall swear. Amen. We have been working through a broad picture of the mission and the story of God. Thinking about what that whole forest looks like uh, so that we can in our normal way of operating, kind of take a peek at the trees and understand them in their context. Our idea is that in order to be good readers of Scripture, to be a community that knows how to handle Scripture well, hear it well, receive it well, obey it well, that it's helpful for us to have a large picture, a broad picture of what the whole thing looks like together. And it can be challenging, right? 
when we spend our time in a verse here or a verse there, a chapter here or a chapter there, it can be difficult for us to be able to put all those things into the long story and to know where in the world we are. Have you ever, I have this experience often in my house. We have uh, four kids in our house. They all watch different TV shows, okay? And, you know, because of the world of Netflix and Hulu and I don't know, the 10 or 12 other things that we subscribe to, it's not uncommon for me to walk into the living room and somebody's watching a show and I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea about, um, you know, kid, what is it? Kid danger, Henry danger. What's that show? What's that? What is it? Deacon? What? Somebody, Henry danger. Is that it? Okay, I'll watch it, and they're on episode 37, you know, and I'll just look at that, and I'll, list, I'll watch for a little bit, and I, I have no clue what's going on. Anybody ever have that experience before? Has your spouse ever started watching a show, and you thought, that sounds interesting, and they're on episode three, and you have no hope of catching up, right? You have no hope of figuring out what's going on, right? Or what's much worse, and let me hear an amen on this one, what's much worse is you start off watching something with your spouse, and you watch the first three episodes, and then you have an elders meeting one night, and you miss a couple, and they want to just pick up an episode. Maybe this is a little too specific for me. Okay. But you ever felt lost in a story before? That's where we began this journey, is with the reality that sometimes... We feel a little bit lost in the story. And because our habit with scripture is we pick up a piece here and a piece there, sometimes it can be hard to feel like we know what the overall picture looks like. And so we've been working through the mission and the story of God. And we've already done four chapters of that story, and I'm going to quiz you on these and see. Oh, no, I'm not going to quiz you because the answers are on the board. But we talked about, say these first four with me, creation, corruption, covenant, and exodus. Those were the first four chapters. Thanks, Landon. Thanks for pulling back on them there. You got to look, you got to read quickly today, my friends. You know, you go ahead and put that list back up. We've talked about these first four chapters, creation, corruption, covenant, and exodus. And we've talked about them as moments in the story of God. And we've also kind of reminded ourselves that they are not once and for all moments that happened once a long, long time ago. But rather, they're more like themes and motifs. And once the, the motif is introduced in the story, once the theme is introduced in a moment of the story, it has a way of coming back around. Once God reveals himself in the exodus of being the deliverer, then that theme is going to have a time to come back around. And so it is with our fifth chapter, the kingdom. Now, for those of us that um, have you know, spent time in the Bible for many, many years, we, we are kind of aware that in the big, this big chunk of what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, the scriptures of ancient Israel. There was a big part of that in which Israel has been established as a kingdom, as a nation with with boundaries and borders, even though those boundaries and borders are constantly changing. But they are an established kingdom on the earth. 
And that kingdom uh, had its rising and its falling. It had uh, moments where things were very faithful and they had moments where things were very difficult and hard and where things didn't go like God had warned them that it, to, to follow. But in the middle of all that, there is this moment, there's this sense, a sense of what could be. Our text this morning uh, from the book of Deuteronomy, and we're going to keep coming back to some lines in this, from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy is the moment right before Israel launches into the kingdom. They, are, they have gone through this period of wilderness wanderings under Moses. They have, uh, in, the, in the wake of the Exodus, they have been pre- prepared over the last generation, over the last 40 years in the desert, they've been prepared for a new phase of the story, for a new moment. But before they can launch into that, Moses gathers the people and gives something like a transitional statement. So in some sense, it's Moses' last will and testament, right? It's his last address to sort of wrap up that wilderness wandering time frame. But in another and very real sense, it is the inaugural address. It is, this is what the kingdom could look like. And Moses there has words of warning and words of promise, words that are meant to show the boundaries of his, who Israel must be, and then words where the promise is to show Israel what they could be. In the middle of all that, Moses' words in Deuteronomy set the agenda for the kingdom. They say, Israel, this is a picture of what the kingdom of God could look like, what it should look like, what it must look like. And there are a few things that I would uh, call attention to here in, uh, in this text in Deuteronomy that help us, that help frame for us what it means to be people who are in some way heirs of this kingdom. People who are ourselves, because we are the people of Jesus, We are ourselves seeking to live as a part of a kingdom, a kingdom that is aspirational in a lot of ways, that has some kind of hope of what we could be like. And so Moses' old address in Deuteronomy has a lot to say to us. And I would frame it in, I would frame it with three words. The first word, is remember. When Moses is speaking to the people and he says, we're about to move into this new land, one of the giant tasks, and it is a huge task, is to remember, to remember where you came from and to remember whom you have been called to be, right? Moses says over and over again in this address, not just in our text, but in throughout, throughout Deuteronomy, look at verse 12. Chapter 6, take care that you do not forget the Lord who brought you up out of slavery. Don't forget. Remember. Remember. 
Remember from whence you came. Now that word is so important because all of their life in Israel should grow up out of the memory of where they have come from. Now it's not just a word that shows up in this kind of general frame. It shows up sometimes in some very specific ways. Look at, uh, flip back into chapter 5. We're in the Ten Commandments here. This is Deuteronomy's retelling of the Ten Commandments. And look in verse 12 and following with me. This is their, this is Moses teaching them about the Sabbath day. This is the Sabbath day command. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your ox or your donkey or any livestock or the resident alien in your towns. So that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. And here, verse 15, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now, that's a little bit different than the Sabbath as it appears in Exodus, in Exodus 20. If you look at the Ten Commandments there and look at what it says about keeping the Sabbath day, he says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And then he says, because in six days, the creator created all that was, but on the seventh day he rested. So you too should keep the Sabbath and make it holy. But it's different here in Deuteronomy, isn't it? In Deuteronomy, he says, make sure you keep the Sabbath. And make sure everybody that is in your household, even your animals, make sure that they're allowed a day off too. Make sure that they keep the Sabbath as well. Why? Well, you need to remember that if you have the audacity to have slaves in your house, you better remember that you too were once a slave. And you better remember that God is a deliverer, right? So make sure that you allow for the treatment of people in your household so that it would be humane and that there would be rest and peace for everyone. Remember, remember where you came from and let it affect you. Let it be something that drives your ethic. Let it be something that drives your identity in the new land. Don't ever forget. Don't ever forget. Do not forget where you came from. Don't forget that it was God who brought you here. Along with that, along with this idea of not forgetting, of remembering, the second word I would add is be faithful. This whole script of Deuteronomy is really a picture of what a faithful community can look like. And I say that word in its, you know, both the broad sense that we use. You know, sometimes we use the word faithful and we mean it to mean something along the lines of they're just a good person. You know what I'm talking about? That's a, man, that's a really faithful brother. That's a really faithful sister. We mean like, man, they really, they, they're, they're trying to do right. It's kind of that broad coverall statement of what it means to be a disciple who is following God faithfully, right? Who is following God in all, all the different ways that that might entail. 
And surely some of what we read here in Deuteronomy challenges Israel to be faithful in that sense. There's a whole list of things that fall under the commandment or the the Torah that fall under the will of God. And Moses is at great pains to recall all that. That's why that stuff is in chapter five. He doesn't just say, hey, remember that there were these 10 commands 40 years ago. Make sure you keep those. He goes through the trouble of saying, these are all the things that God has commanded you to do. Make sure that you don't make idols. Don't make sure that you have no other gods before me. Make sure that you honor your father and mother. Make sure that you don't kill or, or commit adultery or covet all of these commands, Moses goes through and says, this is the agenda for faithfulness in the new land. It is these, this set of things that God has enjoined you to keep. Be faithful to those things. Faithfulness in Israel as a kingdom had to be rooted on their desire to keep God's command to keep what God, keep the different things that God had taught them about what it meant to be his people. Faithfulness in some ways is kind of a word that also means obedience, right? Obedience in the broad sense. But faithful also has something to do with faith. Faithful has something to do with what it means to live as people, not just in the broad sense who kind of do the things that God wants to do, but faithful in a very specific sense means to live with reliance on God, to live in faith, in trust of who God is. And Moses throughout this story, I think is going to remind Israel to keep faith, not just broadly do right, but to keep trust, to keep faith in God, to be reminded that all the things that God has commanded you to do, your obedience in some way relies on you remaining in trust with God. Obedience comes easier when we trust God and disobedience becomes so much easier when we lose our trust in God, doesn't it? Not just belief. Notice I'm not using faith as just like giving assent or agreeing or saying intellectually that we we believe in these ideas, but trusting God. Having faith indicates that we remember that God brought us out of Egypt and he is more powerful than the things that we face in any day. And that God can be depended on. And because that God can be depended on, there is no need to seek after another God and to make an idol out of it. It is because God can be depended on that we can keep the Sabbath. We don't have to be frenzied about making sure that we get squeeze every bit of work we can out of the week. Because we trust in God to provide, we keep the Sabbath. Because we trust in God, that God has provided just the things we need, we have no need to live in envy, coveting what our neighbors have. Trust pushes back against all the different ways that we might live away from the commandments. 
Trust calls us back into obedience. And in this text, I think Moses is speaking to the people and saying, remember all of these, remember all of these commands and these ordinances. And as you remember them, trust in God. And your trust can keep you from turning away from them. The third thing that I would come from this text, though, and and I think this is so important for us, is that this text so clearly reminds Israel that they live by grace. That whole string of things that that, uh, Moses speaks to the people and reminds them uh, that they're going to be going to a land uh, that with, with these large cities, and they didn't build those cities, that they're going to be in houses filled with goods, and, and they weren't the ones that filled up those houses, that they're going to be wells, and they didn't dig those wells. They're going to be vineyards and olive groves, and they didn't plant those olive groves. They're going to be living by the provision of God for, from things that they couldn't provide by themselves. Every time that they go in and out of a city every time that they draw water from a well, every time they pick a grape off of a vine, Israel should remember that they live by grace. And oh, my brothers and sisters, tell me if it's true or not that living with a memory of grace changes everything about who we are. Living by grace means that we remember because we have been generous recipients, we should be generous givers too, right? Because we have, uh, we have messed up and we need forgiveness ourselves, we should be generous in the forgiveness that we offer to other people. In the way that we, in all the different ways that we have received grace, God calls us to pour out that grace on other people. Like Jesus says, freely we have received, so let us freely give, right? Let us be people who live out of the grace of God. Israel. Israel often found themselves at crossroads. Crossroads that if they had come to those spaces and they had remembered what it meant, remembered where they came from, if they remembered the word that they were called to be faithful, and if they remembered that they lived by grace, then things could have gone differently in so many moments, in so many different directions. So God, through this time of kingdom, continued to send prophets, continued to send a word. It wasn't just a word that came from the lips of Moses. But over and over again, Israel would be reminded, don't forget. Remember, be faithful. You live only by the grace of God. And over and over again, that echoing message would be a part of this theme. This theme that was teaching them not what it meant 
to be a kingdom with the right carefully drawn boundaries, with the right distinction against the nations that live to the north and the south. Not just a kingdom that had a powerful army and a king that sat on a throne and everybody would come down and bow to him, but that was trying to teach them about what it meant to be the kingdom of God. People that lived by the grace of God, by the word of God, and by an identity that had been given to them by God's own deliverance. And if it was that way for them, how much more so for we who live in the name of Jesus? It's just like creation and corruption and covenant and exodus are moments in time that become themes that are going to be played out later and over and over again in the story. So it is with kingdom. And we are people who have been bound together. Now, not under a succession under generations of king after king after king. But my brother and my sister, we have been bound together in the name of one and the last king. We have been bound together in the name of King Jesus. And Jesus calls us to remember He calls us to be faithful. And he calls us to be a people who live by and who have learned to show grace. Amen.